Welcome to Calling It Out, the podcast dedicated to calling out the BS in your head and teaching you how to free yourself from an eating disorder or an eating distress. Throughout this podcast, we'll be looking at the way we think and how it impacts our behaviours. With each episode, we'll be teaching you how you can change your thinking in order to lead a freer life. I'll be your host, Jacqueline Campion. Hello and welcome to season two episode. This is either episode eight or nine, so you can check the title of it to make sure which one you're listening to. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. I am very excited for this week's episode because I have a very special guest on today um, who is going to be sharing with us their journey, their wisdom. I'm going to go for it and say wisdom. Um, I'm really particularly excited for this episode because it's very much so going to be reflecting on not just the challenges that we experience with eating distress, but the personal experiences of recovery and how to approach it and why it's worth it. So for this week's episode, we are delighted. When we say we, it's it's just me, um, including producer Cassie, I suppose as well. Yeah, actually, sorry, not suppose. Um, so me, myself and I and producer Cassie are thrilled to welcome Yvonne Doherty onto today's podcast. Welcome Yvonne. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. We're so formal, aren't yeah, we? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just get my, Good I am, morning. yeah. I'm definitely experiencing nervous, excited to have you on today's episode. Um, I've been really looking forward to having you on. One, basically, that I can just use your episode to just say, ha, you know, the stuff actually does work as much <laughs> as you and I both have plenty of experiences of questioning recovery, challenging recovery. Um, but yeah, I'm just very much so excited. I already know... Um, similar to two episodes episodes ago where Dimpna and Pat were on who are your parents mm. so we get the story from both sides as well which I think is fantastic but I already know that so many people are going to find this episode helpful so I suppose starting off how are you feeling today yeah good like yourself nervous and excited delighted to be here and looking forward to sharing yeah because I obviously feel very passionate about the subject about full recovery about freedom and all the beautiful things that happen after (laughs) so yeah looking forward to getting into it no brilliant and thank you so much because you you know I've said it I've said it before but you were definitely one of the first people that I thought of to to basically have on and give us the no BS side of things when it comes to everything eating distress, you know, your personal experiences with that, with that and the recovery journey as well, because I think maybe it would be safe to say straight away, it might have been something that you were really inspired by the light from the beginning and getting very excited about recovery. Absolutely not. <clears throat> I think after my first session, went back out into the car, my mum was kind of looking forward to seeing how I got on and she said like, well, how was it? yeah I'm never going back there again <laughs> that was it like but of course I did go back but the initial reaction I think I didn't want to be engaging and help I'd been to a number of other places and I was just like nah and I felt like I could call the shots on that and I felt like I had some kind of power in that as well but I did eventually see the light and mm. yeah once I kind of caught a glimpse of that I was like oh okay this is different it's a different experience this time and that's what kept me going then to see the process through brilliant 
Fantastic. So there's a couple of questions that people have sent in to the Instagram that I'd like to go through maybe at the end of the episode. I'm actually going to fold over this piece of paper because it's it's distracting me, so I don't need it. Well, hopefully. I suppose kind of starting off with, you know, for want of maybe avoiding any sort of two um, psychoanalysis of of, of childhood or anything (laughs) like that from, from the very beginning, could you maybe like tell us a little bit of maybe your earliest memories of maybe the experience of eating distress and kind of what that was like and what you were noticing at that time yeah I think sometimes it can be challenging reflecting back because I'm not even sure and then I think different things can be so normalized as well that you're like was that a thing or not because I remember even speaking to my parents the other day talking about I remember at one stage when I went from one weight kind of this stone to the next stone I was like oh god this isn't a good thing and my friends are talking about it and there's that kind of awareness of weight and awareness of this being something that you need to control and that Mm. needs to not get beyond your power and yet it was and I felt like I was different to my friends because I was more muscular or there's things like that I was a gymnast all my life so I would have been quite conscious of my body and then I think when I did stop training in gymnastics that's when nearly it was highlighted when I was like Partly I felt like my body had let me down because I had a back injury and I was really mad about it. And then Mm. another part was like, well, I'm not moving six days a week. I'm not doing this. And I need to kind of compensate for that or something as if that was how things work, where there's this consistent calculation of everything that I was doing or not doing. And I became Mm. hyper aware of trying to put the focus on that because I think as well at the time, I didn't have a sense of myself outside of my sport or outside of this big thing that was very much an identity for me. So Mm. when I lost connection to that, I was like, well, what is there? Okay, there's this thing, maybe I can control and gain some kind of connection to that. Maybe that will help me feel valid and worthy. And obviously I wasn't thinking that at the time, that's with kind of looking back on it. But yeah, I think kind of from there and looking at different food groups or like that, there's always counting. There was always like a strong awareness of it discomfort in my clothes discomfort in my body and just kind of progressively got worse from there Mm. I think that's really interesting even first of all even what you're saying that like only kind of on reflection is there a sense of like that's what was happening that there was maybe focus on like or hyper focus on certain elements whether that's the body or you know monitoring things uh, and even that sense of like it because there's so many like behaviors that are so normalized that it's a case of like well of course as a sports person I think that's so relevant for today as well across the board in sports um, and athletics and everything like that the identity that we have and when when you actually get injured yeah can you tell me even a little bit more like about what was coming up for you when like that the back injury that you met so you were you were a gymnast at the time Mm. and so yeah what was it like for you what was coming up for you when that when that injury presented itself that was devastating (laughs) like Mm. it was I trained six days a week and I had done for years like I was in gymnastics for about 10 or 12 years at that stage and I had an MRI and I went to the physio and he told me like you need to stop everything for between three and 12 months and I was like even when I was on holidays I wasn't not doing anything I was doing handstands I was stretching like it was such a part of who I was who I Mm -hmm. felt I was and he said that to me and I was devastated and it was kind of one of those where it was like I just didn't know what to do with myself I was like what do other people do after school or like and Mm -hmm. because I had been out of that loop because I was always training I didn't fit in with my friends as much like they were socializing they were used to me being unavailable so then I was trying to find my place there again I was trying to find out what other hobbies exist and it just 
nothing had that same connection for me that I had. So I was like, I just need to get back to the gym. I need to get back home. I need to get back to that place where I feel like me. So I did physio and I got back within five months. But when I did get back, it's a competitive sport. Like five months is a long time and I was not at the standard I was. There was these little kids up and coming, kicking my ass at that stage. And mm. I was like, this thing that I've always been good at, this thing that where I've always felt most like myself, I'm not even good enough anymore. And I can't seem to catch up no matter how hard I try, it doesn't seem to be enough. And it was like so devastating because it had always been my thing. Like if you can do flips, people tend to <laughs> create an identity around it. Oh, you've gone the gymnast. Like it was just, that's who I was. And then it wasn't. And yeah, it was just this massive disconnection. It felt like such a loss and just feeling completely confused about myself and about what else there was and about life beyond that place in my life. Yeah. Even when you're talking about that, there's such, when you're speaking there, there's such a sense of grieving mm. to come with that. And what age would you have been at that stage when that was coming up for you? That was like 15, 16 when I would have quit like competitively. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that's where things just kind of were going downhill as well. Like there's anxiety, depression, that um, focus on my body and food and all of that. Like all of that was this mishmash around that time. Yeah. And then again, even when you're talking about there and that word grieving that kind of comes up for me, there's a sense of like something that took up so much space and time and energy is now gone. So we're going to have something else almost, I don't know, seeps in is the right kind of phrase. Yeah. But there's, does that Feels make sense? void in some way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were then kind of notes around kind of, and like, yeah, that word even belonging that you're, I think it's just, it's just fabulous even here. And you say those kind of words, identity, belonging. I think so often when we're talking about eating distress, we're just so stuck on the trying to control something mm. to a point where it gives me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> like when we're hearing that all the time. Yeah. Okay. So there's a sense. So around kind of 15 and 16, then you were starting to notice a bit more, discomfort around the body mm. can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what you were noticing then at that time yeah I think around that time it was like I think I was junior cert at school or something as well so there was more stress I was more focused on that mm. very much like say that sense of belonging was not there in school I found it very hard to try and fit in because like that I didn't have a sense of myself I wasn't connected to who I was so trying to contribute to conversation even very simple things were like a big challenge and mm. um I guess, yeah, the focus was more on thinking about food in my body and nearly like, yeah, trying to find a sense of myself in that or something as if that was who I am. I am my body. I am my appearance. I am how I show up or things like that. And at the same time, this anxiety was mounting within me because I felt so uncomfortable in my body, like very much uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm. And I ordered that to when I actually saw the first person I went to therapy to to try and get through the exam, to try and get through yeah. the orals, I think it was at the time, because I was just like bordering panic attacks and just feeling so uncomfortable, feeling like I had zero, like minus figures, confidence and self-esteem, all of that at that time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was really challenging. Yeah, even like, that, you know, that anxiety. <clears throat> and, you know, I think we hear the word a lot, mm -hmm. but sometimes it can, you know, I, I don't know, so one thing that comes to mind, how would you describe that experience that when you kind of talk about anxiety, how do you, how would you describe it? I think at the time, um, 
it was very overwhelming. It was very debilitating. I think it was just, if I could sum it up in like two words, it's that I can't. It was just massive like wave of, I am totally incapable of doing anything right now. Mm. And when it kind of, because anxiety was a big part of my journey, it would have stuck with me for years, but it always came down to this, like I can't handle this. I can't see people, I can't be seen. I can't do this job. I can't get on the bus, leave the house, all of these things. It was just this massive, disconnection from my own capacity to do anything my own capabilities as a human like very simple things became these big ordeals Mm. so that's kind of how it presented for me where it was like nearly a full body experience of I can't that's like I'm almost getting kind of goose but like when even when you're saying the words can't you can almost even like for me but I can almost feel like I'd probably maybe get even around my chest or my throat when you're talking about like the even the words you know like like you said, how debilitating it is. Mm. And I think, and that's why it, it's really cool just to even hear your description of it because I think the word anxiety, we just say things, but we don't always get curious about like what that means for, for you know, what's kind of coming up for you. Yeah. You mentioned the word disconnection there, which is like, that's that's kind of blown me away there when you're talking about like, you're, you, I think I'm paraphrasing there, but like a, a disconnection even from self that there, it's just, you go when there's disconnection is the automatic response is just I can't yeah yeah that is just I think there's almost a sense of like I mean yeah I'm all about kind of like what we can do about it but just even taking a minute sometimes to just even allow ourselves to even acknowledge like I can just even feel even embodying at the minute acknowledging the the level of distress that you can actually be experiencing Mm. underneath that it was nothing to do with what you were just counting or monitoring or body image issues at the age of 15 16 yeah no yeah it was so much deeper than that which it nearly seems like not that those things have nothing to do with it but when you get down to the root to the core it was like I didn't see any worth value or capability within myself to do just about anything and that's what like stopped me from living so much stopped me from feeling okay and then I used those things I used my body food whatever to try and gain some semblance of this is going to help in some way or like this way of coping mm-hmm. um which did not work <laughs> it served as kind of purpose at the time but yeah. yeah it was not it wasn't obviously sustainable or resourceful and it didn't give me the feeling of I can like learning about myself getting to know myself like that reconnecting to myself was mm-hmm. what actually reinstated that belief and like reminded me of my capabilities of my capacity to do well, now what feels like just about anything but at the time getting dressed going out the door getting dressed going to a session like going for a job interview those things like bit by bit mm. you do reconnect when you realize that you are a human being with so much more than just this feeling because like that with the anxiety it's it can feel like this is nearly part of my identity this is who I am I always experience it but it's it's not true like it's not always and it's not identity and it's not who we are like Sorry, I'm going on a little bit about no, this one, but I think not all. just with that, I think it's so important to remember that it passes. Like the four of the most important words for me with anxiety were this too shall pass because it always did. And even when it was all consuming, when it was full blown panic attack, it was and then it wasn't like mm. it did end. So, yeah, I think it was like a very challenging experience. It did very much debilitate me at the time, but um, it did pass as well. Fabulous. And no, like definitely not going off on any tangent with that. That is just so like powerful and relevant. And I want to go into that a little bit more even. But I'm just curious of one thing you mentioned there. Okay, so you'd already kind of gone to a session just even maybe for a bit of kind of support around the exams at that time. Yeah. And so at that time, was there a sense like was 
were you kind of recognizing that it was eating distress that you were experiencing? I'm laughing because I feel like I maybe already know the answer, but yeah, I'll just ask it for maybe. Yeah, I, I have a sense that maybe we weren't kind of seen as eating distress at the time or yeah, what, no. what was your opinion of things? Yeah, I think it was interesting. And I think that kind of started this more confusion <laughs> where I didn't feel like I had like what would be categorized as an eating disorder, or eating distress. I didn't feel like I fit into that. Yeah. I also didn't feel like I fit into being OK with that area of things. So I felt like even with that, I couldn't do it good enough. <laughs> like there was that yeah. sense of like, I don't even have this. I can't even really get labeled and treated for this because it's not bad enough or something. So, yeah, no, it wasn't kind of recognized at the time. I did feel a bit off or a bit consumed by those kind of things. But I thought that that was just it wasn't a real problem, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, totally. So there's a sense even there that like, yeah, I think that, yeah, you can't even, you can't even be sick enough, yeah. you know, you're neither here nor there. And I think that's such a reflection of, okay, obviously the diagnostics that we can sometimes be met with. Um, okay, so in your mind, there was a sense of like, like, I know it's just something maybe challenging going on, but like, I'm not, definitely not going into the, any boxes of eating disorders or eating distress or anything mm. like that. Yeah. And kind of at the time, it was like just to get through the exams. It was like, we're just going to this guy okay. to like, did some anchoring and had some like techniques to deal with that anxiety to get through that yeah. part. And it was kind of like, it was somewhat short time and like looking for a result right now. We just okay. need help with this thing. Okay. Um, but then it continued <laughs> to get worse and there was more work to be done, of yeah. course. So, okay. So you were kind of, so you'd done a couple of techniques. We weren't kind of acknowledging it at the time. So it went on. So there's a sense there that it continued to kind of, there was maybe a bit of a snowball or when you say it went on, things, the distress was kind of building. Yeah, yeah. like that. It was that sense of lostness, um, for want of better words, but that sense of like, who am I? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't fit in. Like throughout school, that was present. I didn't really feel like a fit. I couldn't wait to leave the place mm. and just get out. But then like, I still hadn't really found a sense of myself. I still didn't really have confidence. So the anxiety was getting worse. The depression was getting worse. I didn't want to go into school. I was finding it very challenging to go in. And then behaviors started coming in mm -hmm. to try and avoid it in a way. And just with the stress, like the leaving cert and everything else, like mm. here you are, you've no idea who you are. So what do you want to do with the rest of your life? It was what it felt like. I, was yeah. like, I don't know. Like, and it was very stressful at that time. And I just wanted, a lot of me just wanted to escape just to try and get out of that situation. But mm. yeah, it went very low around those kind of times, like 17, 18 was really challenging. And at that time, were you attending sessions? Um, No, I can't remember when I first started. I went to someone else at around well, I would have gone to the mental health services at 18. Okay. Um, I had a particularly low point on my 18th birthday. Mm. Um, and then that kind of triggered, we need to get help with this. And I mm -hmm. went somewhere then, yeah. Okay. So you'd gone publicly first? Yeah, this was the public services when I was 18. Okay. And were you, you were attending those sessions for how long would you have been? <laughs> so they would have given me a different label and a two year waiting list to go and get help. Okay. Um, so we ended up going privately from there to someone that was recommended. Okay. Um, God knows by who. No, um, <laughs> we went there for like, I think he had a kind of, it's gonna be a six week thing and you're gonna sort it out like okay. this and that kind of approach, um, which did not work um, because of course it didn't work. So that was kind of the beginning of seeing this kind of 
misunderstanding is what I feel like I'd call it now this kind of disconnection from what was really going on in various different places mm. and again I kept seeing it coming up where it's like they're not seeing me they don't understand me like I've done their little questionnaires and their quizzes and everything else and I seem to get a different result every time and mm. again like I don't know anything about myself how am I supposed to answer these questions like yeah. it was really challenging to try to nearly be seen but at the same time being like I feel crazy saying these things so I don't want to give you too much but I want to be validated like I want someone to take me seriously mm. and again I still wasn't fitting into the, these things I wasn't fitting into those things so like fitting in was something that wasn't only with other people but now it became about labels about trying mm. to find some sense of like real help so yeah I went to a number of different places then there was a place that was around eating distress and god like it's bizarre looking at it now to be quite honest like at the time you're thinking well these are professionals they know what they're doing they study this area but I think study is probably the key word there I feel like they've read books about it and not to disrespect I'm sure they're doing the best they can with the resources they have but for me that was not not landing not helping and it was stuff around like keeping food diaries or like weight was still involved and like mm. I remember even at that time feeling like I know nothing when like I think he was a doctor but he made a comment about weight after weighing me and I, I felt it in myself like you should not be saying that like mm. oh my god but that was the help that was there like at the time and I went there for quite a while um things didn't really improve and it was kind of like if it like if we increase the dosage of this then that will help with that that was kind of the attitude it was like managing the symptoms is what it felt like rather than actually getting to any kind of root or any kind of you know it's like cutting away at the branches when the trunk is still like really strong and it made no sense to me yeah so yeah that one didn't last either <laughs> yeah there's a real sense of just that like you said it's that surface level gardening and i think it's it, I think like and I definitely like you know look obviously coming on to the recovery in, in, in a moment but I think just like again even to be heard and to be seen I think even through your experiences as well like like you said it's bizarre like you literally couldn't make this stuff up yeah. like when you think about the level of and I think that's what important as well even for people listening whether it's parents or people with personal experiences how many of us go around on these wild goose chases and it's like blind that leading the blind oh, do you know yeah. You know, and it's like it's heartbreaking looking back on it, like knowing mm. that my parents were on that journey, just trying to do the best, trying to find the right people. And you listen to people who you trust and you put your faith in to direct you to the right place. And then that doesn't work out to so go to the place that they recommend next. And that doesn't. And it's like it is challenging then being in the position of being like a person with personal experience going through that. You're like, God, there must be something really wrong with me that nobody can help me or that like I keep failing at their processes and stuff. And it's. Yeah, it's really not right on a lot of levels, the way it's dealt with. I'm getting goosebumps when you're talking because it's a it's classic case of eating distress and the, the like you said, the self-esteem is in the minus. And our automatic assumption is, is that I'm failing at their processes and never once do we allow ourselves to kind of see, well, maybe the processes and the systems are actually failing me. Yeah. That this is actually lonely. Like when you sometimes, again, the further you come away from it, the more you see this is absolute... <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so... There's no other word for it. Yeah. And like you said, I just think that's really important to kind of because you can be so lonely, especially when you're listening to professionals. And like you said, do I think there's so, look, we won't get into the whole maybe. Well, maybe we will. Right. But there's there's still so much to kind of in terms of training and true understanding and, and seeing beyond the behaviors. And we've a bit to go with that. 
But like the level, like you said, even for the level of stress for a family as a whole, mm. you know, your self-esteem is low anyway. Like, I mean, it's it's hard not to think like not only did you think maybe you're a basket case at first. Now you're I mean, you're so good at it. You can't fit into anything. Yeah. You know, so. So you'd miraculously, OK, <laughs> because you are here today. Yes. Talking about how things actually pass. Yeah. So you survived that, <laughs> as I said, miraculously. So what? What happened next then? You, so there's a, you, you must have gotten out of that kind of wild goose chase somewhere along the way. Can you tell us a bit about that? What happened next there? Yeah, I think it was very much just like where else? And then because I think I've written a poem about it. It's funny reflecting back on things. It's like, oh, we got to like door number seven. So I think I'd gone through about six different like that wild goose chases. And then door number seven was Merino. And like that first session, I was like, fuck this, I'm not going back. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was just my attitude. Um, no, at the time, like that, even having received so much help, I was very stubborn around getting help. I didn't want that. I didn't want to be the one with the problem. And like that, even like receiving that help, I find that very challenging, like being in that position where it's like, oh, this person has such good intentions for me, like kind of screw them. <laughs> like that's how I felt about it. Um, but I did go back. And when I like opened my eyes to it a bit more, the difference was so evident, like it was just screaming at me where you could sit in a group and I remember thinking about groups or it'd be like, our oh, group is going to be like, hi, I'm Yvonne and this is my label sort of thing. And there's none of that. You see these practitioners who have been through the journey themselves, who are fully recovered, who are exactly what you're looking for. They haven't studied your experience. They have lived it like and that for me was just like so inspiring and so different from what I had experienced before. Yeah. Take your time. <sighs> Yeah, it makes all the difference because like that, I hadn't felt seen, I hadn't felt heard, I hadn't felt understood. And then I came to this place where not only could they call me on my bullshit like nobody else can, but they can understand saying the same bullshit themselves. Like there was just this next level of understanding. And as well as that, like that in group sessions, it wasn't like this is me and this is my problem. It's like, hi, we're all here to learn about life because we would like to live it. That's what it was about. It wasn't about ruminating on the problems or what happened when you were four like do you think that's the problem it's like mm. talking about life and like how we are gonna learn to live it because we weren't able to or we didn't feel able to we didn't have those tools to actually show up in life like that I feel like a lot of us are living with that big I can't over our heads telling us what we can and can't do telling us what is and isn't available to us and yet here we're in a place learning those tools so yeah, it was a totally different experience for me. Like that didn't entirely embrace it at the start, but once I could see, see it for what it was, see that difference, see the fact that it wasn't like, okay, you're in this box and this is what your prescription is or whatever. Like it was very much around you as a person. I actually felt like a person with an experience that I could overcome and then use even to potentially help other people someday. So it was a totally different, whole other world <laughs> what I entered there. Yeah. Just even like when that kind of, because again, like, if, I mean, it'd be challenging not to kind of feel that emotion that comes up with it. I don't know if maybe it's right to say, but there's such a sense of even like a relief here, like, you know, yeah. it's like a big exhale. Yeah, you know, totally, yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah, and I was just interesting reflecting on my experience because like that, it mm -hmm. nearly does feel like a lifetime ago or like a, a different life. But at the same time, when you do go back to it and you just remember those feelings and going to those places and just feeling so like, what are these people doing? But at the same time, thinking that you're the idiot or you're the wrong person, you're doing everything wrong. And then when you do find it, like 
it's like oh finally like we're speaking the same language like you mm. felt like this like totally lost person in a different world for so long and now it's like okay i'm home in a way like there was that connection to it yeah so yeah no fabulous and i really really appreciate even like you said it's even reconnecting with that you know because it does it feels like a completely different like we were speaking earlier before we were kind of recording and it's 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 not we don't it's you kind of I think it's just placed somewhere like but you kind of almost I suppose to not forget but like I suppose it takes we're not always reconnecting because it was so Mm. part of the identity for so long and then like you're busy living life you (laughs) know what did you make of the idea of full recovery when you first heard about it um that's a good question I'm trying to reflect on what did I think because I feel like when I think about it now it's like oh that was really motivating and inspiring but Mm. I wonder was it (laughs) like was that fully what it was I think probably from the experience I'd had I I think I was a bit nearly curious and like that sounds nice but also I'm not sure if I could have that though or because I had felt for a long time that I, I didn't add up to certain things or I wasn't what I was meant to be in this category of this mental health issue or whatever mm. nearly felt like well yeah that could be amazing but I don't know if I'd get there because I don't know if they really get like that my problem was different or whatever there was that mm. like little bit of oh, I'm you know a bit different <laughs> a little bit yeah just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah the special snowflake syndrome is yeah. is uh it's a powerful thing it's, it's even when you're talking there there's a real sense of like part of me likes this but then part of me is like I do like that as well the honesty about like I don't know if they realize like how you know let's say layered um <laughs> with the dysfunctions I am yeah. for want of other words mm-hmm. so so there's a sense that maybe at the beginning it was it maybe motivation from inspiration straight away yeah I think there was there there was definitely a part of it though that was there okay. but I think I was fighting it to be honest if I'm thinking about it because I I think that's what did resonate with me with you there was like these people are fully recovered it is a possible thing and it was said to me like whatever like keep coming this amount of time mm-hmm. that's what you're working towards um but yeah there was just that little fight <laughs> yeah it's like no not for me though yeah it's interesting when you're talking there what comes to mind is that kind of like you know if you see it just kind of this like this back and forth of like if you'll see it then you believe it but then classic condition and all of its <laughs> intellect and only when it sees it then it almost gives it it's like another opportunity to kind of doubt is what kind of comes to yeah. mind as well so there's kind of two parts so I'm curious as to I don't know maybe I'm jumping here but this is kind of one thing like this you were fighting it you said what were you fighting um i feel like i could tell you from my perspective now and i'm not sure i can connect as much with it then but i think what it was was that nearly after like the wild goose chase then i did feel like i'd find out what was wrong with me in a way um and there was nearly that identity with it and it was like this is my problem and i think part of me was afraid of not having a problem to fall back on um, to help me to avoid life <laughs> essentially is the way I'd kind of think of it now because I think when you do reflect back on what it was like at that time um, there was nearly uh, comfort in that discomfort of course the uncomfortable comfort zone like where you do have nearly this padding of I don't have to fully live life because I have this thing holding me back and yeah, it's handy isn't yeah it? no it definitely comes in handy yeah <laughs> like my poor parents as well were like ready to support me so much that like if I did not want to like subconsciously I would think this is happening but if I didn't want to you know do something that was scary Mm. I have this way out and 
yeah, I think definitely if I'm fully recovered, I didn't have that. So there was that fight with, well, what am I going to do to face those things without this thing? Which is, yeah. <laughs> totally. No, I'm getting, the way my mind works is that I'm getting this visual of like, it's like you're playing a game Monopoly and you land on something. You're like, oh no, sorry, I have my ED card. <laughs> yeah. I actually, there's actually something wrong with me. I don't, I don't need to go through that. I can just pass, yeah. I can pass that. And the word avoidance, and I think, <laughs> I'm so glad you're saying this. So <laughs> like, there's such a sense of really, like you said there, I think that's powerful as well in terms of like from your perspective now. Mm. Whereas at the time, like one, like the worst thing I think you can, I, I mean, maybe from personal experiences, the bouncing back and forth of maybe dying for a label and then maybe yeah. not wanting a label and be much more complex than the label that I was maybe given. But that, like you said, that avoidance. Mm. I and think that was a big one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So there's a, yeah, I think that's really interesting about even like, not necessarily, like again, like, you know, the eating distress is is not the problem, it's the solution. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, that's it, yeah. It's so interesting the way that works because I remember just as you were speaking there, it was coming to mind, I remember like there was a certain time, there was sometimes with behaviours where I feel like I had checked out and it was nearly like I've seen myself going through the motions and it was a very dissociative. Yeah. Then I remember when it wasn't so dissociative and I remember there was a time when it was nearly like I could see my hand about to do something. I was like, that's my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have the power now to make a choice and you realise that you have a choice. And I think, I'm not sure where I was going with this, but I think there is that where it's like you've been using it for so long, it's served, it's it's done its thing. Like there is a reason for it. There's a reason, I would think there's a reason for everything we do. We're trying to help ourselves feel safe or okay or like we can manage things in whatever way mm. we can and it's not always conscious it's a survival thing like but there was a point when it was kind of like I can't use this anymore like cognitively I was aware I was too aware at that stage to be yeah. like now I am making a choice and so what choice am I going to choose and like taking my power back in that way whereas before it was nearly like oh conditions doing that and I, I don't really have control over that like I can't actually stand up to this but there is this switching point where you do get your power back and that can be scary in a way because you're like oh now I don't have anything to fall back on but it's actually it's incredibly empowering as well when you do start to work with that and harness that power and then that can take you literally anywhere after that yeah I think that's a really relevant fear of like again you know, the victim mode, the playing small and you're smiling. With <laughs> the victim mode. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> what, what comes up here with the idea of victim mode? Uh, you know, the phrase your triggers are your teachers. Like victim for me, like for a while, like I feel like towards the end of recovery and stuff, it would like really set me off. It's like, why are they being like that? And I get so like, yeah, frustrated um, to put it tamely about it. And it was because I was like not owning that within myself, how I had played the victim for so long. And look, <laughs> we do it like it's part of it. It's not like there's no shame around it, but it yeah. is just like it's nearly not comical, but a little bit looking back at the ways I use things or the ways that like I think my parents possibly would have said, like it is quite a manipulative behavior. Mm. And I'm not proud of like some of the things that I've done, but at the same time, it was trying to manage my life, trying to avoid things or feel okay and stuff like that. But yeah, when you kind of discover more language around it. it's like am I being a victim or a creator and you recognize that you do have the power of choice like that's what really starts to I think waking you up to the fact that it doesn't have to be like this forever I'm actually not a victim of my circumstances mm. but I am actually the creator of my life and we can live life from either side it's like plenty of people are doing it either way 
but it's what actually makes you feel better what makes you feel more in touch with you and your life and how you want to be living and yeah victim for me was not what I wanted to be Mm. and yeah I could see how I had very much been fluent in that like for a very long time yeah it's almost an unconscious like yeah you know like I said it's just fluent you don't even realize you're speaking it I'm just thinking even when you're talking there you know I'm kind of thinking like did you ever think and I kind of suppose when I was talking to your parents as well and it's still even for me I find it really I find it really emotional do you know like Mm. did you ever think that you'd be sitting speaking the way that you're speaking and really like connecting to what you're saying the way that you're connecting to it and I'm kind of curious as well because I'm thinking of like people maybe even listening maybe at a stage where they're like I just not I either I don't know if I can do it I think that you know you mentioned that a few times I don't know if I can do it I don't know if I'm flipping into this anymore Hmm. it's not working and I'm curious for you like or I may maybe even maybe coming from a different perspective like what helped you if you're aware of it or not or maybe it's easier if you're maybe thinking about maybe even if you were to speak to somebody in that space yeah what would you maybe say to somebody in that space as someone who has personal experiences of like going from a to b the way that you have or a to like you know g (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that is a very good question i think thinking about it like what did motivate me i suppose or what kind of that pull was towards doing things differently towards becoming the creator and away from the victim like a few things come to mind like first he's like well what is the alternative (laughs) like am I not fed up with this do I not like even if you can't connect to it because I know I definitely couldn't on some days or there was those points where I was like this is never going to end like Jesus Christ I've I've just done something that I would have done ages ago why am I doing that like there is those really frustrating moments but like that when I did go to Marino there was that difference that made the difference that was these people have done it so just with that in my mind like even if it was this tiny little inkling that someday I could also be in that position that someday I could actually overcome this and use this experience because I did really resonate with the idea of be the change you wish to see everything happens for a reason I know not everyone resonates with that one but I felt like there's got to be something like why would this have happened if I couldn't just use it like use that shit as fertilizer to grow from like there is a reason that I feel like I had that experience. And I think when you can see what's possible, even just like listening to things like this or just becoming aware of people who have had a challenge and who have overcome it, like that's not because they're any different. It's just because they've chosen it and they've made that happen. And I think knowing that that's possible, that that's available, that there is that hope, even if it's teeny tiny, look, it is sometimes, what if you can keep that alight, keep that in you? like just the more you give that oxygen, the more it just flares up and it does take over. It does very much propel you forward like mm. nothing else. And yeah, I feel like there's so much I want to say because I do, of course, want everyone to experience that. But I feel like, yeah, the main thing is just like, think of what free life is like. Because like you said, no, I didn't think I would be on a podcast. No, I didn't think I'd be doing different things, but I did write them down. I did write them down in a journal at some time, actually coming home from traveling and I reflected on like these notebooks I had mm. from years ago and it was become a life coach, do school workshops and talks, like do things like this, which I am ticking them off. Like this is what's possible. So consider that your current situation is not your final destination. Like there is so much more. And it might be hard to see, but imagine it then. <laughs> Just like mm. come up with how would I like my free life to be? Yeah. Because it's there. It's waiting. And yeah. it's like it's available to any of you. That's so fantastic and just really uh, that's just so fabulous even hearing that and there's such a sense there just like 
you know, you, you said it before we kind of came on to record, but you're talking about like design in your own life, mm. you know, which requires you to take out the paper and pen, like you said. Yeah. You know? So I think there is that sense of like nobody chooses to have the heat and distress, but there's a real sense there. I think the word when you were speaking there for me comes up with research, research recovery. We have so much reco- like research around ED. Mm. And I think people with ED, we love sometimes talking about ed and we love events about ed mm-hmm. and accounts about ed because yeah. it, it feeds into it yeah what's coming up for you there when i'm talking yeah i'm just thinking it comes back to that like identifying with it piece where you're like like there is that kind of sense of belonging to something or like they're having a similar experience to me or there can be that connection to it which i get but that's not your connection to it that's conditions connection to it whereas like the person that you actually are is not these behaviors is not mm. the things that you're thinking even it's not the feelings like all of that can change and yeah I think it's just um can't remember what I was gonna say I've lost that train of thought but essentially that like it is so much more than that yeah it's gone no makes perfect <laughs> sense. what what's your definition of recovery how mm. would you describe it or that's a good question as well oh, because you're full of them that's fine no you that's three good questions <laughs> yeah. now Take not counting <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I think when I was recovering like recovery was like freedom from behaviors and then the word freedom came in as well and I did think at one stage that they were synonymous that it was like an interwoven thing yeah and then there was the idea that like recovery is like freedom from behaviors all those kind of associated things and then freedom is like I love I think it's Marie's definition that I take everywhere like freedom is owning your choices and that's what it feels like so for me recovery was kind of the step into my freedom where I'm no longer carrying that baggage of conditioned stuff. Mm. And then I think it is just moving towards, well, what am I filling my life with now? And that's where freedom kind of starts playing a part where I'm fully owning who I am, the person I've become, my experience, where I'm taking my next steps, what I'm doing with my life. And then, yeah, letting all those dreams come to fruition. Like that's when I kind of fully stepped into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Marie be delighted now getting a <laughs> mention. Oh, Jesus, I'm after headbutting the microphone. Um. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. And you can see like, yeah, the recovered and, and melting the behaviours and then that free part, like you said, yeah, owning the choices. Mm. And again, I suppose I'm just thinking like, yeah, like the, the question still comes to mind, like how how do you do that? What did you find? I suppose that's a really simplified question. How, how <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, if I, if, 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 if you were speaking to me maybe 15 years ago, I'd be like, here's this, another young one here now that man's <laughs> probably set up to talk to me or something how if you got that question yeah how do you do that how do you get to like I said even shaking off that identity of condition Mm, I think as you create your true identity you become your true identity like firstly when you say how do you do that first thing is like get get help from someone who knows what they're doing like be on that journey and commit to it as a process because you didn't get it overnight so you need to be commit to the fact that it is a journey but it's so interesting because I think initially when I started that journey I was like because I had been given the six-week fixes or that this is how it ends or whatever like all these stories from other people when it was kind of like a more long-term commitment I was like oh I don't know about that but actually thoroughly enjoying it throughout as well where it became like this 
like beautiful journey into myself home to myself is what it felt like where I was just like you get rid of the condition identity by it no longer having a function in your life so how you do it is to get other things that fulfill that so for me that was connecting to myself it was getting to know myself like I remember that annoying question of who are you and I wanted to (laughs) tell them where to go but honestly what a beautiful question because I wholeheartedly believe now, I think it's a Carl Jung quote, but like the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you are. Is that not what we're all here for? Is to be ourselves, as cliche as that might sound. And yeah, I didn't like hearing that at the time. So like, how can I be myself? I don't know myself, screw Mm, you. Yeah. (laughs) But that's why you're on the journey to get to figure that out, to discover that Mm. and to uncover that person and to be relating to yourself in a different way and relating to your mind in a different way and just cultivating this like unconditional friendliness towards yourself where you become who you want to be where your life becomes how you want it to be because condition yeah it does its thing but it keeps it very small it keeps you very restricted it keeps you very much in this like this is your box don't you dare step out of it like that's not what we're here for (laughs) like I'm just gonna go and say that bold statement it is not Mm. because there's so much more to life there's so much more possibility there's so much more available you probably can't even like conceptualize but there's just like so much beyond it where when you start tapping into those things bit by bit by bit tapping into your own potential tapping into what's in life what you're passionate about what you care about what matters to you it's like conditions full on redundant to that point it has nothing left to give you yeah I think that's you just wouldn't be you just wouldn't be bothered would you <laughs> no <laughs> like I think that's one thing when people talk about like you know relapses or you know this kind of stuff yeah <laughs> what, what, what was that Yvonne what comes up here with the word relapse that's something Thoughts? like that idea that I feel like is perpetuated in some way in some voices and things that like oh it's something you have to live with or it's something you don't that... have to be polite here by the way when whatever comes up right, go well. for it <laughs> <laughs> let's go no but like when it is said that like you may ha- like you'll have to live with this or you need to learn to manage it or you need to learn to you know like deal with relapses and stuff like that or like oh someday you might go backwards or whatever like or do you not think about it still or whatever yeah like no what are you talking about that's not what recovery is like I don't know who gave you the authority on this subject but you have not discovered it yet so mm. no it's absurd to think of that there's never been a time since fully recovering that you'd ever consider going backwards there's absolutely no reason to because like that condition did a thing for you it no longer needs to do that thing and when you realize how self-destructive it is and when you've gained so much respect love and appreciation for yourself there's not a chance you do that like so if you're recovering um and in the definition that i would see recovering in no that does not come into it whatsoever mm, i think absurd is such a light term <laughs> <laughs> yeah fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah and i think it's liberating even allowing yourself to even say that because i think when someone gives you that kind of stuff it reflects a lot on their understanding of recovery yeah. or lack thereof yeah Oh, it's not right. Like. I love that <laughs> statement of getting curious about who was given the who gave the authority to actually reflect because that's damaging. Mm. That's shortening people's lives. That's yeah. impacting and lowering the quality of people's lives and families' lives. And that's the kind of there's a sense of like you don't have to settle for that. Yes. Yeah, settling. That's all it would be. And like when you come through that process and we see 
like how much life there is like I feel like genuinely after recovering I came to life <laughs> like I could see things like clearly I cared about seeing yeah. things like before even going for a walk in nature or something I was so busy being miserable busy like in my own thoughts in my own head that I wasn't paying attention to anything I was just like god I hope nobody can see me <laughs> or like yeah. I just want to go home where I can hide away or whatever and now it's like you come alive you come fully alive and the idea that anyone is broadcasting this idea that like there's any less or that you have to yeah you say settle for any less it's yeah. just like completely unjust <laughs> like it's absolutely ridiculous to put that like out there to vocalize that because yeah. it is like I say it's just minimizing what's possible like why would absolutely. you want any limit on your life it's completely limitless if you decide that that's what it's going to be for you yeah and there's such a sense when you're talking that you've really tapped into something <laughs> do you know like there is a yeah. real sense of like shit like, <laughs> what have you discovered and that's there's a couple of um there's a couple of questions if you don't mind that i'd like to ask that yes. are from people that sent them in absolutely um listeners you know? <laughs> <laughs> um before i do that you earlier on mentioned the word commitment a couple of times mm. and i suppose when you hear about commitment especially you know when you're talking about committing to something it's normally somewhere with like white padded walls <laughs> you know especially in this area things and that commitment, uh, you know, I often talk about recovery that it's nothing to do with competency because I think sometimes you love that with ED as well, being like, I just can't, you know, mm. like you said earlier on, and it's nothing to do with competency, but I would talk about commitment and consistency. Yes. Commitment, just for a second, if like, because I know it's that, I think that's one thing is really damaging because there are these messages of, you know, the six weeks or a few sessions. Mm. How... I think, yeah, I'm, I'm talking, look, I'm kind of maybe talking a little bit, but there is, I think what I see at the moment is that there's almost like a resistance to commitment, but you then matched it straight away with a sense of like, there's so much to enjoy. Yeah. So let's say if there was someone saying, if there was somebody that you were noticing was not committing to the recovery and they were like, no, I just find it so challenging to commit to it. What... What would be your kind of, do I want to say advice, reflection on that? Or what would you say if there was no consequence and no one told you to where to go? <laughs> um, mm, yeah, <laughs> a few things come into mind. Yeah. I think when I'm, if I'm putting myself back in those shoes, I yeah. was very impatient Um, did not like, was a bit allergic to the word committing because yeah. I think though it's that it's fear-based. It's like, I'm afraid that I will fail or that if I have to commit to this, what if it's not worth the time? What if it doesn't happen? What if I don't actually make it? And then I've let everyone down or all of that a story. It's just a story and it's coming from fear. So if I was to say to someone, it's like, well, I suppose you're tapping into, well, what's the point in committing? Like, why would you commit? If like this opportunity lies at the end of it and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's a bit challenging. Like, are you happy to commit to the situation you're in then? Because that's the difference is that you're either committing to condition or you're committing to freedom. I don't want to be black and white about it because there is like ups and downs or you might not feel so committed. But ultimately, if you don't want to keep going, then you're saying to yourself about what you're going to create for yourself. You're telling yourself what's going to happen next. So... Mm even if you don't want to, yeah, kind of it's like, what would you say with no consequences or anything? Like, just kind of fucking do it. Like, <laughs> to be honest, yes. but like that, like I'm saying that from this position now where I can see it, but I know at the yeah, time there would have been like, my parents would have been bringing me to sessions and I'm refusing to get out of the car or I would have been like, no, I'm not going or whatever else. So I think 
either having that support or being that support for yourself is key to mm. keep reminding yourself of why what's the point in this journey and like the time is going to pass anyway so you might as well be doing something worthwhile with it you might as well be doing something that could get you to where you want to be mm. because if not what are you doing what are you choosing for yourself fabulous there's it's just really letting that even kind of resonate because even when you're talking there about like the fears and i think what i visualize there is almost like in like a, a kind of helpful exercise where on one side if you change like what's the point if you change the tonality of that that can be a really powerful question as opposed to like what's the point you know actually yeah. just, okay like shift that a little bit on one side okay what if it's not worth it i think that's a massive one mm. um and then on the other side of like well what if yeah. it is? <laughs> yeah, what if it, what if it was? Yeah. Just sorry, again, before I come on, to, are we okay for time? We're fine. Okay. Fine. Because you mentioned there about, you know, ex- I suppose acknowledging your family's experience at that time and not getting out of the car or maybe not wanting to go back. I mean, sometimes maybe the most powerful sessions are the ones when you don't want to come back. Mm. But um, maybe that's biased. <laughs> but um, what, what would you say, what... I don't want to, I don't know I'm a bit allergic to the word advice but look I'll just oversee it what what would you say to a parent in that situation where their loved one is is resisting um the idea of of engagement with recovery at the moment and they're at a sense where they're like oh, they're losing hope a bit um yeah I think it is firstly like it's a challenging experience so just like it's okay that you're maybe getting frustrated or that it is challenging in that experience, especially seeing your loved one going through it, wherever you can, like be that support, do what you can, but know as well that there's only so much you can do as well. The person has to be choosing it for themselves. Um, I think just recognizing that they're just afraid. I think it does just come down to being afraid, like that resistance, like mm. in so many areas is just fear-based. And it's like, what would you say to a scared child? Or like, how would you try and support someone who's scared? And it's not about trying to fight with that because what you resist persists. So it's like, how can we, you know, see this for what it is? And it's like, look, I know it's scary, but just go in, just try it, just see what happens. Or if you don't enjoy it, like that's okay. Like it's an hour of your time or whatever as well at the same time. So Mm. I think just doing what you can with what you have, encouragement, support, that's what like, I do feel very lucky that my parents were very much there, but I know it was challenging on their end as well. I know like when you see that and when I could definitely kick up some fusses, like no two ways about it, but at the end of the day being like, well, we're here to do this. So why not just do this? Like we've, yeah. we've said, like maybe at certain times, like you forget that you started going there for a reason. So just come back to, well, what is the reason for being here? Yeah. What could I get out of this? If it wasn't the worst thing in the world, what could it be? Like yeah. just playing it out the same way you do it. Worst case scenarios, just bring in that other voice of like, well, what if it's actually really helpful? What if we can actually get something from this? Like, is it not worth giving it a chance? And yeah, just seeing what happens. Yeah, that really, I think that's important as well for, for both like family members, or partners or parents or anything like that and with people with personal experiences that like okay give give it a go like and if you don't like you know what comes up when you're fully recovered you can always go back if you really want to yeah do you know <laughs> if you're like choice. i'm not really into being recovered um <laughs> which i have not met anybody yet who has regretted it <laughs> no. so i think there yeah there is that sense of like give it a go you can serve both masters like you said earlier on i think we're afraid to say that sometimes and i think even from personal experiences i would have not wanted to maybe admit that straight away and it was too hard and i can't and you don't understand but i think mm sometimes it is a case of black and white okay yes there's distress happening yes there's challenges but are we willing to give those tools a go are we willing to let go of something to let something in yeah 
Yeah, that willingness I think is so key. Like even if it's small, even if it's like okay, mm. I'm, I'm willing to go in the door. I'm willing to take the first step out of the car. It's like where can you start? Just start there yeah. and do what you can, and then you'll notice <laughs> it probably increases as you start doing that little bit by bit. Mm. Like it will. Um, but yeah, just giving yourself that opportunity of choice as well, not deciding no, but actually like entertaining the alternative. Like well. Like, could I do this? Because if not, what am I choosing here? It does very much come down to choice a lot of the time. And yeah. like that, the more you own those choices, the freer you get. So. so one of the questions, I put these in no order. But one of the questions was, what was your biggest challenge? I love this game. This is great. <laughs> what was your biggest challenge in recovery? Ooh, is that great? Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, what was my biggest challenge? I think, yeah, sticking with it maybe was challenging because when you do go to those lower moments or when different things come in or you notice different things, I think it can be challenging to believe in it fully. Like you said, with heat and distress, it's such a lonely condition for lots of different reasons. Mm. But if you're experiencing that, that's not unusual. No, that's fabulous. Okay. Lovely. I <laughs> don't back. even know what I was going to do. Tick. <laughs> um, here's a question that I won't take personally. <laughs> How do you trust in professionals and loved ones? <laughs> so, yeah, so how how would how do you trust or so this kind of has a sense that there's somebody who's maybe finding it challenging to trust the people that are on their team at the minute? Yeah, and I totally hear you because like that I had been to several professionals that I would not have um trusted or thought they knew what they were talking about and stuff and many of them maybe didn't. So I think with Definitely, I suppose, with Marina, what was different in trusting was that I knew they'd done the journey and I kind of got that sense of authenticity and it resonated with me. There's something that will resonate within you, I think. And maybe mm. sometimes it can be hard to hear that intu intuition when you're disconnected from it for quite some time. But mm. I think you kind of know and you kind of know that what is the mistrust telling you? Like, is it telling you that they're here to screw you over or they're trying to mess with you? Or what is it about? Because if you actually look at the people around you, if they are loved ones, if they're trying to support you, I think they're kind of worthy of trust because like that we can feel like I think reflecting on it a bit I feel like yeah sometimes you do feel like they're trying to get at you or they are like trying to get you to do things you don't want to do or things like that and there can be that kind of nearly sense of like f off leave me alone mm. like just get out of my face but at the same time I think I always knew that they wanted the best for me and I think I always knew even if I was fighting it or resisting it that like there's a reason they're bringing me to this place. There's a reason they're supporting me. There's a reason we're doing these things. It's not just for the crack. It's not just because they're trying to like make a fool of me or anything. Mm. It's all towards something bigger. And when I can see that person's journey and I can see that they have already been where I am, I can see even like that they can see through what I'm saying or things like that. Like there will be mm. times you might be challenging, like, oh, I don't want to deal with you. It's still not mistrust though. It's like, I know that you're doing the best for me or I know mm. that you are trying to bring out the best in me. Mm. So... I hope that answers it but essentially just thinking of like what is the intention behind it like would you trust them with other things is it challenging to trust them because you're afraid of what they might be nearly might feel like they're trying to take something away from you or they're trying to do something with your experience and then what is that story of mistrust mm. telling you absolutely and I think there's a when you're talking there as well you know how I often describe ED and the conditioning is that like it's like an abusive partner in your head and what normally happens is is that like what the condition is actually doing to you it will project onto the people who are on your team and yeah. and I'm sure maybe we could both agree with that that the people closest to us they get the sharpest edge of the knife <laughs> you know we often are street angels and house devils oh yeah you know please everybody like me but you yeah you will get everything <laughs> <That's>, absolutely <laughs> no that complete I, 
are you okay if we keep asking? Yes. Okay. We also still being me. Um, <laughs> the what? Royal. Oh, this is cool. Okay, so what? One question was also: Is it truly possible to be free, fully free from ED? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So what does, and I'm not planting any of these, by the way, as a disclaimer. <laughs> I'll have to put one of those little sentences. Nobody was paid for any of their contributions. Um, well, coffee might count. What does freedom feel like? Oof. That's such a beautiful question. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like I got goosebumps there thinking about it. It's just like aliveness, connection, liberation, which I know is the same as freedom, but I want to just use that word in there. It just feels like a deep breath or like just being fully in your life it feels like as well as that though it's like it feels like power and it feels like opportunity and it feels like choice and possibility and adventure and god just all the good words and Mm -hmm. it's hard to even speak it into words because it's like as well as it being such a full feeling it's nearly like it's just become like a normal feeling as well like this is just where mm. i'm living from now so mm. it's nearly like well it just feels like being me it feels like living my life it feels like doing what i feel like i'm here to do so it feels like purpose and passion and connection as well yeah so yeah that's a little dictionary of freedom for you <laughs> no i think i'll just like record that little snippet and just have it as a little meditation just mm. you know <laughs> going play around. it over you and know, over yeah because and even when you put your hand on your heart there there's just that sense of like connecting to yourself and of course like and i'm going to make maybe an educated assumption that like you can maybe relate to the idea that like of course when you're deep in condition that kind of stuff is it seems so unattainable or far away and that's okay i often mm. just say it's like you know, but what if it was actually much more possible and much closer than you actually thought? Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, it's possible for, for anybody. There's no competency levels here. It's no. just about the commitment and consistency. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's so interesting you're saying about it seeming far away because it does at times. You're like, God, like, wouldn't that be nice someday? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now it's like reflecting back where condition seems so far away, where the idea of living in that world is like totally foreign. Yeah. So it's just like yeah you're just you're always moving towards it as long as you're in the recovery process like you're breaking those ties with that old way and you're moving towards this new yeah. way you're moving towards these words being your new way of being your whole yeah it just becomes who you are how you live what your life is about so yeah. fabulous thank you i i think that was such a like you said beautiful question what have we got here what was the most helpful thing slash person slash activity to assist you in your recovery Ooh. Hmm. Definitely Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely paid for that one. <laughs> no. <I> can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it was the team, like where the people so like my parents support me and then at Marino, um the groups were very helpful. I don't know if I can just identify one thing mm. or anything, but definitely the people I had supporting me, the sessions I went to, the groups that I attended um, activity and maybe group as an activity, care work as an activity, Mm. like doing those things. But I think as well, actually now I'm thinking about it was Mm. probably thinking of free life, like thinking about what was possible. Cause like I said earlier, like I came back on, like it was interesting come back after traveling for three years and I was like back to my home and just the different notebooks and reflections from that period of time was nearly like they're frozen in time. I was coming back from this great adventure back to this or Mm. something, but the things that were in there like there was some interesting entries and there was also so much like stepping into who I wanted to be thinking about what it's going to be like writing down those dreams connecting to like life beyond this and I think Mm. that's what 
the process gives you the opportunity to start exploring because when you're in it, it can feel like this is the only thing in the world. This is life and I just need to try and get through this. But man, it's not even getting through this. It's like breaking through it and like unleashing yourself into everything that's beyond it. It's so much more. So I think, yeah, the people who are on your team doing the things that they say to do essentially, like I couldn't probably pick just one, but I know there's a number of different things yeah. that like, or maybe suggested or encouraged and I would definitely highly value them yeah. and as well just connecting to what is freedom what do I want like what could there be even mm -hmm. if it seems intangible if it seems like oh who knows how that's going to happen don't think about the how just think about like what you want and yeah. start connecting to that because it's it's there yeah. <laughs> it's waiting for you yeah I love that sentence that connecting to life beyond ED like this mm. is that's really really powerful that's and like I said it's a, it's a group of things it's not just going to be one thing yeah you know and I think as well the groups because that's something that people have so many fears around because unfortunately maybe even from past experiences there's no like hi my name is and I'm in whatever you know it's like they're just classes to come along and to learn how to make life easier yeah you know which is which is fantastic fabulous what else have we got here oh so last but not least I loved this question um something you got from recovery that you didn't expect or saw coming Ooh, I know, right? Question. I was like, yeah. that is so like <laughs> fabulous. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think of what did I get from recovery and it feels like just life, <laughs> it's like the first thing that comes to mind. But mm. I feel like I guess I would have probably seen that coming. Um, I suppose like a whole new perspective. And I think the tools you get in recovery are not just for recovery. Like it is, like you said, you go into classes when you're going to group, it is about life learning and you are a student of life. Like I love that ethos around Marina where you are just, you're learning all the time and I, I love learning. So I think what I got was just this like, I don't know if it was like a thirst or a hunger for like, what else is there? When you realize like you can overcome this thing that seems like the most challenging thing in the world when you realize your own I guess yeah one thing I didn't expect was my own inner power like feeling so empowered feeling that like what else can I do like when you overcome that and when like that even reflecting on it those times when it was like oh no that's not gonna happen for me or like oh it's all well and good for them to say that they're there like they don't get mm. what I'm going through like they don't understand me mm. When you're coming from that and then you realize that you can overcome that because of course you can and then you go beyond that where it's like what else can i do like what else is there in life how can i use what i know now to expand and expand expand you suddenly like well i felt like i just didn't want to be in any kind of box anymore and mm -hmm. i did very much want to own who i am here with this experience and i felt like i guess that connection to life like i've mentioned it was just so powerful then to realize that there's so much of it like I went traveling I went to the other side of the world I like I worked on a boat and I could see like dolphins every day and like working in what they call the eighth wonder of the world like I traveled I lived in other places like I did all of these things and at one stage I couldn't leave my house I couldn't go out the door like and that's mm -hmm. it's a world apart so I think it's just that inner power that you get within yourself like it's not just about the behaviors going it's not just about like say settling or like just going back to normal life or whatever it's like it can be whatever you want it to be whatever you design it to be you are mm -hmm. literally the ceo of your whole life the creator of whatever experience you want and i think just seeing that in yourself and really like connecting to it because that's been there the whole time that power you have within mm -hmm. you that potential it's all just sitting within you and when you start kind of like digging into it removing mm -hmm. all those layers of condition bullshit and stories and fears and all of that stuff that's been weighing on top of it you just feel like well I just feel like there's just it's unlimited like what else do I want to do what else am mm. I here for like what else is life 
offering me and then just going for that it's mm. all it just feels like everything's available then yeah there's so much in, in what you're saying there and there's one thing that was coming to mind when you know you were talking about even just kind of being your own kind of architect and there's not even the phrase of kind of like being your own like emotional architecture almost and kind of like I think w- there was one thing you mentioned about like even getting a hunger or thirst for something and I think especially for eating distress it's that real question like what are we actually hungry for mm. you know and I think there's such a sense of like I want the, oh you know you can sometimes think I've oh, someone traveled and they did this and that happened it's like yeah but what materials are you putting in place in order to actually build this life that you're saying that you want and I think it's really that part of the dreams that you spoke about earlier on pen to paper and then really coming back to that kind of personal responsibility or even kind of like you said even acknowledging okay so what could I do about it what foundations physically mentally emotionally spiritually need to be put in place in order to get like you said limitless Mm. opportunities yeah with no pressure yeah (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine where in this condition is all the pressure and like your life is the size of a little matchbox and that's why you feel so big all the time. Yeah. And like, it's funny even saying that because like I was thinking about it, like, it, and that doesn't mean there was no challenges like in that as well. It's so funny when I was kind of reflecting on like recovery and things like that. It's not about like you become free and then everything's hunky-dory, you're grand. Yeah. Like it's, like there was a number of different challenges along the way and stuff, but like that, as you're saying, like it's, becoming that person who can handle those challenges, who has the tools and the resources and connecting and using them in life that allows you to have that limitlessness. Like there's no point going traveling if you're still with the same mindset that you have when you're suffering at home. Like it's bringing that newfound awareness and connection to yourself, Mm -hmm. empowerment, all of those things with you that makes those experiences what they are. And then like things will come up or like stuff happens, like life happens, Mm -hmm. but you don't, revert back to self-destruction then but you're like okay what am I going to do about this like you say and then you move on and life continues like yeah it is very much about using those things that you learn in recovery becoming that person that free person like that's Mm. who you are that's your core that's within you and then you can take that anywhere Mm. it's not about like the doing the things but yeah very much the being is crucial yeah fabulous absolutely fabulous and as we kind of mentioned earlier on like today we're only going to be scratching the surface of things (laughs) which is hard to believe that it's like it's only scratching on the surface but you know so you have a couple of your own projects at the moment Mm. so for want of a more complicated question what are you doing now (laughs) so (laughs) a few things yeah so I have gotten into coaching I'm a mindset coach so work with people on their mindset essentially and reconnecting to themselves and coming home to themselves like Mm. I got to um so that's coaching it's be dare to live sos on instagram if you want to follow along there i'm also working with um a company i suppose called wolf wolf academy and what we're doing is creating online well-being courses for secondary schools mm. so going into secondary schools doing workshops and talks as well but also having this online suite of workshops where you can like that get to know yourself like my course is daring to live there's eight different people working on them with different tools and things like that very much to empower young people because I know there is a lot of mental health awareness, but like that, is it stirring the dirty water? Are we actually doing things about it? So we very much want to empower young people to recognize, again, their own inner potential, inner power, all that stuff that's within, instead of just kind of accepting or settling anything less than what we're capable of. So there's that. And then we're just promoting this idea at the moment of the living cert instead of a leaving cert, where it's very much like there's all the academic 
attention there's all that like emphasis on academia whereas it's like what is the point like that I was good in school like I was very academically capable but mm. I was drowning like I was having panic attacks going in there so what's the point in that I went to college twice and dropped out twice like mm. because of my mental state so just really empowering young people to connect to those tools within to have that within them and build that up build up the mental strength the resilience the self-understanding and discovery to use those things because that's yeah. what's actually going to get you somewhere in life in our view <laughs> amazing i saw it's is it at wolf academy irl is that yeah, the instagram that's it i saw the video you put up about the living cert and it gave me goosebumps and again i suppose i passed through the system i suited the system probably and but at the same time when you're even i mean it, it does kind of sound like a first world problem but it was a genuine challenge at the time um there's there's so many sides to it you know when you're mm. fitting in and when you're not and i think that's amazing that the work that you're doing there and that mental resilience that you spoke about and the fact that there's even a, a team of you on board and um, so if anybody is even interested in that any kind of teachers or principals that are even listening or any parents of or any or even if somebody wanted to propose it to their own school so at wolf academy irl yeah and then if someone was interested with maybe learning more about the work that you're doing on a one-to-one at dare to live sos yeah Yvonne Doherty. That's me. Yeah. That is you. You can answer that question. <laughs> yes, <now. laughs> that is who I am. I finally sussed it. <laughs> Yay. Um, like, just thank you so much. It's it's an absolute privilege. It's a bit of a mind blowing thing. <laughs> but the two of us are here speaking the way that we're speaking. It's an it's it's a privilege to even have been a tiny little splash in the journey and but even just a privilege to just it, it it's very ins- I personally find it very inspiring to just yeah hear about and just even you can almost even feel it and I'm sure people even listening to the episode it's going to be it's it's almost challenging there's just such it's so for want of a different word than just authentic do you know that what there is a real sense that you have tapped into something here with what freedom really is mm-hmm. and how worth it it can be even when you know th- there's a lot of situations where we can lose the hope so thank you so much for coming on today <laughs> I know it's going to really help so many people it's definitely helped me today because I was having a bit of a morning so it's <laughs> definitely lifted my spirits already so thank you so much Yvonne and yeah well like here's to limitless opportunities with zero pressure yes thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure and yeah keep that freedom fighting going <laughs> yeah let's keep doing that keep the revolution going yes. thank you